Welcome to Alabama AgCast, a weekly conversation about news and issues affecting Alabama farmers and forest landowners. Alabama AgCast is produced by the Alabama Farmers Federation. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Alabama AgCast. I'm William Green, Forestry Division Director of the Alabama Farmers Federation and Executive Director of the Alabama Treasure Forest Association. A few weeks ago, on our weekly wrap-up, I discussed a few market trends in the forest products industry. When I closed out, I mentioned a new product called CLT that prompted several listener questions. That prompted our discussion for today to do a little bit deeper dive on the subject of mass timber and cross-laminated timber. To help me get started with that, I'm pleased to introduce our guest for this week, Dr. Adam Maggard, who is Extension Specialist and Assistant Professor at Auburn University School of Forestry and Wildlife Science. Adam, appreciate you joining us. Hey, William. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to, to join the cast. And I uh, just to give you a little bit about myself, I, I am with the School of Forestry and, and I do have an extension appointment. So a lot of what I do is focused on forest management and the forest management side of, of things and, and really kind of leads into the business and economic side of things, dealing with forestry and forest investments and, and managing, managing forest land. Well, great. I, I know that a lot of our listeners who know me know that um, I don't have an education background in forestry. My background is wildlife science, and uh, Adam has really become kind of my go-to source for forest economics as well as market trends. So uh, really enjoy having you as a partner and appreciate all you do for the landowners in Alabama. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. So I, I guess to get started, we should probably start with square one. Uh, like I mentioned, I, I kind of talked briefly about forest market trends and different products maybe coming up, and I mentioned CLT, um, which if you're a layperson, so to speak, and you hear either glue lamb, CLT, all these different um, alphabet soup nomenclature, it may be a little bit confusing. So I guess I should start with asking you this, Adam. What exactly is mass timber? Yeah, it's a good question because it's exactly what you said. It's become an alphabet soup. And just in the simplest definition, you can think of mass timber as it's a category of construction material. And it's really just categorized by the use of large, solid wood panels. And if you look at forest products, you kind of break that down a little bit. What we're talking about is you have forest products that come from the forest and it's either wood or not wood, right? And for the wood side, most of that wood goes into buildings, whatever else goes into other products. And then from the building side, you have wood that goes into, you typically a lot of it goes into the structure side of it. And you do have some that goes into finished products. But on the structure side of that, you basically have three different types of wood uh, that are typically used in building and constructing homes or offices. And that's where you're probably the most common is your stick framing materials. Uh, your dimensional lumber. And then you have what we call engineered wood products and heavy timber. And, and heavy timber is just what exactly what it sounds like. It's large, massive, just single material of wood that's used in these different products and different structural products that are building these houses. Engineered wood products are a little more complicated. When you think of that, you've probably heard of that before, and you probably think of things like sheet goods. So that's what you're talking about is your OSB or your um, your, your paperboard or your, your basically your panels that are made out of uh, a combination of different wood products and different ways of manufacturing that. And in the middle of that now, we have what we call mass timber. And that's where we basically have that alphabet soup. And one of those is CLT. Uh, and there's probably three or four different varieties of CLT that are coming off of that. 
You have what you mentioned earlier, glue laminated timber. You have nail laminated timber and dowel laminated timber. And then you have massive plywood panels that also fall in that category. So it, mass timber is kind of a rapidly growing uh, segment of this construction material. And what we really are focusing on right now is the cross laminated timber side of that. So I, I guess really then, what exactly is cross laminated timber and, and how is it made? So it is a mass timber type, like I mentioned, but it's really, it's prefabricated. So it's an engineered solid wood panel. It's made of layers of dimensional lumber. And if you kind of think about, think of a two by four or two by six and what it typically looks like. And what CLP is, is layers of that lumber that's stacked and it's really stacked crosswise at right angles. It's glued and with some type of adhesive and then it's pressed into place creating this multi-layer of wooden panels or wooden panels. And those panels are then able to be taken or basically transported to construction site to be used. So what you're looking at there is a large structural wood panel that's created by multiple layers of dimensional lumber. And I think some of the biggest ones you'll see, these are massive. Uh, you're talking, uh, you know, 11 and a half feet wide by 50 feet long at times. These panels can be made of right. up in size, and it can be made of any size kind of in between that as well, any less than that based on specifics of the construction design or what's being done. It's a it's a pretty neat product. I've I've kind of had the privilege of of seeing it being made um, in the facility down in Dothan, which we'll probably talk about here in a little bit. But the way I, I wrap my mind around it to begin with is I think of it as is kind of large prefab Legos almost, where they can yeah. uh, really kind of make it spec uh, however the the builder needs it and then ship it to them directly. Um, yeah, that's exactly it. And uh, I guess that's probably one of the easiest ways to explain it is is once it's prefabricated and once it's created that panel, you know, the next step and how it's put in place and how it's constructed is really like Legos. Yeah. So I, I guess from the, the benefit standpoint of using CLT uh, and the construction standpoint, uh, I guess there's probably a, a variety of different uses there. Um, do you mind talking about that for just a minute? Yeah, sure. So, you know, one thing you have to understand is it's a relatively new product. Uh, and what I say that is it, it's been around for a little while. It originated in Europe in the 90s, and it's kind of made its way. It's been in Canada. It's kind of made its way in the Pacific Northwest, and and now it's finally getting into the Southeast, and specifically Alabama. With what you mentioned earlier, the plant Dothan with Smartland, they're a Montana-based company, and and they're the first one that's produced or created a plant here in the Southeast to basically feed off of Southern Yellow Pine to create this CLP. So it's relatively new. It's definitely new to the Southeast and new to architects in the area, contractors, and even the forest industry. So, and consumers for that matter. So extensive research and outreach education is being done on this as we speak. But through what we have learned, you can basically break down a variety of advantages CLT has over other materials, construction materials. And, and you can really break it down into three categories, three broad categories. And one's kind of construction efficiency, which I think we talked about or hit on just a minute, which I'll, I'll elaborate on in a minute. Next one's kind of building performance. And then the third one's carbon management. So what I mean by construction efficiency is really referring to reduced construction site time. 
So it is produced off-site, like we mentioned. It has material precision that reduces the waste of the product. And it's essentially, it's lighter than concrete, which makes it faster to construct. Uh, and when all that comes together, it has design flexibility. So it can be, CLT can be used for walls, it can be used for roofs, it can be used for floors. It's really relatively easy to modify in terms of meeting specifications. It can be modified on site when it gets there, if it needs to be. So there's a lot of efficiency aspects of it that really, really makes it attractive to contractors and to folks that are building it. And basically, if you combine all of what I just said from the construction side, it really comes down to reduced site time plus reduced material waste equals reduced cost. And that's where it really right. makes up its attractiveness. And then from the building performance side, what I'm really referring to there is kind of seismic wind, fire, and blast performance. And and what I mean by that is there's a lot of research being done that shows that CLT has excellent dimensional stability and rigidity in terms of it performs extremely well against collapse. It performs well against damaging winds. Uh, and these are what we're talking about, damaging winds. We're talking about things like storms, tornado damage, hurricanes, sure. that type of thing. And then the, really the structural flexibility, and that reduces its chance of breaking. So it's a product that it has based on the characteristics of the wood that's being used and the thickness of those panels, it has that uh, bend but not break scenario or characteristic uh, that's not found in alternative materials that really makes it stand out and perform well under test, dealing with kind of like seismic activity, um, earthquake scenarios, wind, fire, and blast performance. And really the thing with fire, that's probably the one I get question on most. And, I, I was about know, to ask you about it. Yeah, and, and folks talk about fire and wood, right? Right. Wood burns. So what it actually does is these large panels that are being created, the research is showing that the wood on the outside of those panels will actually char. And that charring actually adds a different dimensional layer of resistance to that fire. So what it actually does is it helps insulate it more and, and, and it doesn't actually break through or collapse due to fire eventually like some other materials such as steel. Yeah, it would, it would melt and bend eventually. Right. So those outer, la outer layers of that panel will actually uh, provide protection, further protection from deterioration because of that char buildup is what we're finding there. And it kind of acts as a natural insulator. So I, I think it's important to point out, too, that um, really two things. One, when we're talking about mass timber construction, particularly CLT, we're not really there for residential custom home builds. All of this will be for your high-rise uh, apartments, uh, multifamily living um, units. Is, is that right? That, that's right right now. Um, so what it's basically used for is large mass buildings. Uh, you're, um, primarily, you're talking you know, hotels office buildings, uh, even high-rises that are being built with it. There's a lot of focus on university and college campuses throughout the country. I think there's over 500 projects going on right now at, on, on campuses alone uh, where they're building things such as dorms and labs and so forth with CLT uh, and the benefits of that. And, and the reason is that's what it's really first coming out of the gate uh, used for. It, it, it takes, it's, it's, beneficial for projects that take a lot of wood uh, and take uh, that are massive that need a lot uh, of area to be covered so the, the starting out point is yes 
that's where the focus is. But there is some hope down the road that this eventually gets into the housing market. Uh, but there, there's a long way to go in terms of education, right. getting contractors up to speed on what can be done with it and building codes and so forth. So it is relatively new, but I think going forward in the years to come, you'll, you'll start to see it trend that way. I also think, too, that the other thing I was going to point out, that um, the first time I heard of, of CLT, I was thinking, you know, hardwood floors, log cabin-esque, uh, really a lot of accent on the wood. But that's that's really not the case. All of the, the projects I have seen um, do utilize some exposed wood, but, you know, it's really the, the frame of the building. It can You can put whatever facade or floor or um, sheetrock, whatever it is, you can, you can kind of mask it however you want or leave it exposed. It, it really is a cool... Um, uh, usable material. Yeah, and that's that's kind of you can get down to some of the other uh, you know advantages that we're seeing through research with it. And one of those is it is CLT is acting as an interskeleton of these buildings. So any specific external visual requirements that are being imposed or up against or issues or design needs that need to be met or requirements, uh, you know, they can be addressed because. You know, the perfect example is up at Redstone Arsenal. For those that are familiar with Redstone Arsenal up in Huntsville, the actual first DLT hotel that's built in North America was built on the base there at Redstone Arsenal. And if you drove by that hotel or if you looked that hotel up on the Internet or, or do a search for it and see a picture, you wouldn't be able to tell what it was made of. It looked like a brick building. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's made or constructed out of CLT. And then it has that visual outer shell that's put around it uh, for that case for what it to meet whatever you know visual requirements that are that are needed in that that situation. But that's one benefit of CLT too is that you're not you're not stuck at just one particular look or it's not going to kind of define the way you know from the aesthetic standpoint the way something's going to look. But it can be worked in to benefit that. As it's never a dull day on the farm, especially when your day starts before the sun comes up. We're Alabama Ag Credit, and while some don't get it, we do. As the local experts in rural real estate financing, we've helped farmers finance everything from homes and land to tractors and crops. Because sometimes your natural resources need financial resources. Switching gears a little bit, besides the obvious of there being a new manufacturing plant in Alabama, how is Mass Timber CLT, how, how is that relevant to the state? I guess the way to approach this question is uh, our resource here in Alabama. And CLT is made from dimensional lumber, which requires salt timber class timber. They're here for the southern yellow pine resource. Uh, and that's the material that's used to produce CLT. Alabama has a lot of it, okay? It's estimated that over half of our standing timber in the state is considered salt timber size classification or greater. And, and the manufacturing of CLT provides an opportunity to strengthen the state's force industry. Uh, CLT production provides new market opportunities for Alabama timber producers. We have a lot of surplus of timber on the ground, which kind of gets into the timber markets a little bit, but we have a huge supply of salt timber on supply of timber on the stump in Alabama right now, even though the demand for our products across the border have gone up over recent years, and we've seen a very strong industry, a very healthy industry from that, we're not seeing stumpage prices and so things that a lot of landowners are interested in respond like they normally would. And a lot of that has to do with that oversupply 
having a negative impact on that demand. But this is just one more opportunity to create kind of a new product that's going to help, you know, feed some of that wood supply uh, to, a, to a new market. Exactly how much impact that's going to have uh, on markets is still to be seen, but it is a new product. It's a product that uh, requires a lot of wood use. It requires a lot of salt timber, dimensional lumber. So it does have opportunity down the road to be very beneficial to forestry, the forest industry in the state and landowners in general that own that timber. Speaking of, of the forest product industry in Alabama, um, I guess as we're, we're kind of closing down here, what, what are some of the other forest product industries that you expect to have a pretty big year in 2021? There's a lot of great indicators right now in our forest industry. Like I mentioned, our forest industry is extremely strong and healthy right now from the standpoint of we've had record years of capital investments come into the industry, whether it's from investing in new mills that are opening or being constructed to expansion of current mills that we have to increase capacity. Uh, I think in 2018, we had a record year for capital investments that reached over $1.3 billion uh, in the state. Uh, so there's a lot of money coming into the industry. There's a lot of uh, resources that are available. Uh, I think from a standpoint of if you kind of look at your your timber, uh, your salt timber, your pulpwood, those type of products, I think from the from the softwood side, uh, we're we're really looking strong going forward. And I think from the salt timber side, you know, obviously a lot of it's going to have to play out what the housing market does. Uh, we have a strong housing market right now. It's largely fueled by those low mortgage rates that are there. But, you know, we'll have to see what happens uh, with, you know, the new administration and how the housing market responds going into the year based off of the continuation of COVID-19 and so forth. But, you know, if that stays strong and with some new market opportunities, I think the future is bright for the salt timber markets. Uh, I think the pine pulpwood markets are the same way. Uh, there's a huge increase in demand by manufacturers of wood pellets in the state. We have several new projects ongoing in the state to, to basically produce pellets and ship them overseas. We have paperboard and packaging that is over a trillion dollar industry globally that is really pushing uh, that industry as well. That's kind of making up for that lack of writing paper and and, and WordPress that we're kind of losing traction on that'll continue to do so. But that paperboard and packaging industry is really, really improving and really growing. And then fluff pulp as well. Fluff pulp industry is, our market is very strong, not just in the state, but across the Southeast and globally. So everything's looking pretty strong in those regards going into 2021. Like I said, there are some things we got to keep an eye on. And what I usually tell folks is, what's going on in the state right now that's really separating the strength of what our actual timber markets are versus what they actually are seeing in terms of stumpage prices really boils down to three things. And what we're talking about there uh, are really competition. So what I mean by competition is competition of mills. You know, we still need more mill competition in the state to help drive that capacity, to help drive those prices up. There's other parts of the Southeast that, you know, the markets or the stumpage prices are a little better. And that has to do with the abundance of mills they have there buying timber and competing against each other. Uh, the housing market in general, we got a 
keep an eye on, make sure that keeps trucking, make sure that remains strong, and then our oversupply of timber issue. And those three things are really painting the picture from a stumpage price standpoint uh, of what's happening, you know, here in the state of Alabama. From a market standpoint, though, our timber industry is strong. The markets are strong. The demand's there. We just are dealing with a little bit of an oversupply issue. And that's one thing where CLP down the road could potentially help a little bit is opening up with the new a new market or new outlet for some of that timber. Well, I'm I'm certainly excited about um, you know Smart Land being in Dothan, the new product in general. But uh, something else that I, I did also want to share with our listeners, and I think they would find interesting, is um, I'm fortunate enough to be part of the planning committee for an upcoming Southeastern Mass Timber Conference. Um, I didn't know if you wanted to plug that here at the end, Adam, and, and tell us a little bit about what's uh, to come for here in Alabama. Yeah, and William, we appreciate your your assistance and help with this as well, and being on the planning committee and. This is something we're very excited about, and it's something we were hoping to get through uh, earlier, but COVID-19 kind of <laughs> made us cut a little bit on what we're able to do and what we're, you know, regulations and rules that we have to follow. But we're looking to hold a CLP conference here in Alabama. We're looking to have it here in Auburn at the university, and that's going to include things like a tour of the Smart Lamb CLP plant in Dothan. We're also going to look at several CLP projects that are on campus or around the Auburn area. It'll be up and going uh, that folks could see. And, and we really want to highlight CLP as a product. We really want to highlight, uh, you know, the use of Southern Yellow Pine in Alabama and what it has to offer for this material. It's never been here before. Um, this is a new part of the country, a new part of the world that it's entering, and, and we want folks from the national side and the international side that'll be attending this conference and, and kind of look at what, you know, not just Alabama has to offer, but Southern Yellow Pine in general and, and what it, how it, how it could influence the CLP uh, markets and the CLP, use of CLP going forward. And we're looking to have a, you know, two and a half, three day conference here in Auburn uh, that focuses on a little bit of everything for folks. So we want to have, Stuff that focus on the forest side, ranging from forest management and how that relates to CLP and what they need in terms of timber production um, and, and how that goes back and, and relates back to the producers. And then we want to look at also the construction, architecture, and design side of things. Also have academic tracks and things for students as well. So we're looking to make a uh, you know a big splash here in the state, highlighting this opportunity and, and highlighting the state as, as a as a producer or provider for it. Well, Adam, I certainly appreciate you joining us today. Uh, I know everybody will uh, find this conversation pretty interesting. Uh, hopefully, in uh, later on this year when we have the Mass Timber Conference, we can definitely get some of our folks there. I know they'll be looking forward to seeing another product made from Alabama wood. Um, so, yeah. Adam, appreciate you again for joining us. Yeah, William, thanks for having me. And like I said, it's not just for just for industry folks. It, it landowners, we want to have there as well. So. We encourage those folks to keep an eye out for for more information as we it becomes available. But thank you again for having me. I appreciate it, and I look forward to talking with you again in the future. Absolutely. Thanks everybody for joining us for another episode of the Alabama AgCast. And now your weekly AgCast wrap up. Welcome back for this week's weekly wrap-up. I'm Mitt Walker, National Affairs Director for the Alabama Farmers Federation. On the heels of passing a $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill, Congress is now in the early stages of discussing a large infrastructure package. 
There's also a great deal of discussion around how to pay for both of these items, and unfortunately, higher taxes are part of that discussion. Will the administration push leadership in the direction of a higher corporate tax rate, as some have alluded to? Will they also push a federal gas tax or vehicle mile tax to generate additional revenue? I think both of these are on the table, but the estate tax is also clearly being targeted. What is the estate tax, or as some people call it, the death tax? It's a tax that's paid when an inheritance is passed along to the next generation at the time of death. The tax rate can be as high as 40%. In 2012, Congress passed legislation to set the exemption level at $11.4 million per person, up from the $5.5 million level that was set earlier. However, that legislation sunsets at the end of 2025 and will reset at roughly the same $5.5 million level. While this is concerning, there's also talk about lowering that exemption level even lower. Why does any of this matter to the folks listening today? Well, here's why. Farmers and timberland owners are disproportionately impacted by the death tax because their professions are extremely capital intensive. The vast majority of farmers and landowners' assets are tied up in the land, the very land they use to make their living. In the case of farmers, you can also throw in the cost of the equipment they use on the farm. Planters, combines, and cotton pickers are more expensive today than ever. Farmers generally reinvest their profits from good harvest seasons back into the farm and typically do not have significant liquid assets to pay huge tax burdens. Someone coined the phrase years ago, farmers are land rich and cash poor. So when the family patriarch or matriarch passes, this leaves the family members with only one option to pay this tax burden, sell off a piece of the farm and try to generate enough cash to pay the tax man. This is not only a difficult emotional decision, it also weakens the viability of the farm. You may think this only impacts the wealthiest of farm families. However, according to research by the American Farm Bureau Federation, if the exemption level is reduced to only $5 million, more than 156,000 farm families nationally would be impacted. If that number was lowered to the 2009 level of $3.5 million, the number would jump to a staggering 243,000 farms that account for as much as 74% of the farmland in the U.S. Bills are filed in both the U.S. Senate and the U.S. House of Representatives to permanently repeal the death tax. Many members of the Alabama delegation have already co-sponsored those bills. In order to ensure that American farm families continue their mission of feeding and clothing the world and providing the safest, most abundant food supply the world has ever known, the Alabama Farmers Federation strongly supports passage of the Death Tax Repeal Act of 2021. Alabama AgCast is sponsored by our friends at Alabama AgCredit. Give them a call for all your farm and land financing needs. For more information about today's conversation, check out the show notes or visit alphafarmers.org slash agcast be sure to follow alabama farmers federation on facebook twitter and instagram tune in next week for another timely conversation from alabama agcast